Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. Meteor ship! Some folks have a strange idea entertaining. They're dead, but they're coming right for us. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spooky Picture Show, where four friends get together once a month to discuss all things horror. My name is Chris McGibbon. And I'm Michael Felcher. And I'm Kevin Ellis. And I'm Melanie Mullen, the one with the titties. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, titties. Um, next time, you should do the award-nominated Spooky Picture Show in the int- when you introduce us. Because we are award nominated. Yeah, for Did a really... Rondo award where you still have to yeah. vote via email. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, wait, wait, you shit all over that, Mel. Thanks no, a lot. Well, shit, it's, right. not like we, it's not like we won. Well, no, oh. but still, the nomination is the honor. It's the reward. It's just an honor to be nominated. Who even know? nominated? I don't, well, I don't I don't know. Did, you, did they have to send in the nomination ver- ver- uh, via smoke signals? <laughs> Somebody thought enough of, about us to end um, yeah. so, uh, I, mean, I, I, I can tell you one thing. They're not going to be doing it again well, this year. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> wow. This is the beginning of our Rondo campaign for next year. Yeah, not that Mel's bitter or anything. No. Um, no oh, I'm, I'm not. Def- <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not bitter. I just went on their website, and I first of all, I was like, oh, my God, look at how crowded all these categories are. And then it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, send your votes to such and such and such at RondoAwards.com. Like, fuck no. Wait, did you even vote for us? Fuck no! I wasn't sending an email. Oh, wow. we lost wow, by that, one that vote. We, yeah, we yeah. probably no, lost by one didn't. vote. We didn't even. <laughs> we weren't even a finalist. We didn't even get runner up. I don't think it was my vote. I think it was people were like, "Oh, I have to send a physical email. Do I also have to write an essay about why I think our podcast should win?" Uh, well, who did win? I. F- in all honesty, it was uh, post mortem Mick Garris's podcast. Of which course, it very, did because it's Mick Garris. He's famous. That's why. Right. It's a very good show. <laughs> I'm not God. saying the show's not good. I haven't Man. listened to it. Well, that's so like, I have no opinion. Nice. Well, it's really nice to see that we here at the Spooky Picture Show take loss well. <laughs> what is this we shit? This is I entirely did, Mel. This is I not. Didn't ca- I didn't care that we lost. I was. It was like wow. losing. It's like losing the fucking Christopher Columbus of awards. It's it's like <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I don't know. Oh man, I don't We're understand. We're so not getting nominated for anything ever again. That's that, fine. No, no, Nobody no. knows what a Rondo Award is. I still don't really know what it is. God damn it. <laughs> And you say, first of all, it's like, now you have to send in an email, there's smoke signals, and nobody even knows what it is anyway, so fuck them. You know, it's just, oh man, Mel. Uh, I, I apologize for bringing this up. This, yeah, this is entirely <laughs> okay, your let fault, me just Kevin. Let me just emphasize, these opinions are my own, and not 
uh, and do not represent the other uh, hosts of the spooky picture show. I just don't give a shit and I say whatever <laughs> I want because what are the repercussions really? You know what? Now I just realized something. Without a doubt, the episode we were nominated for was a Peter episode. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you that right now. Oh, oh of no course fu- it was. There's no fucking way one of the male ones got it. <laughs> no. No. No, not even a little bit. Uh, so anyway, with that being said, now that that's out of the way, um, yeah, burying any further chances of ever being considered for a Rondo. Yeah, I think we've, uh, we've, we've, that ship has sailed for, for sure. Um, I will uh, say this though. If we ever somehow do get one, I want Mel there to do the acceptance speech. Where's the the award ceremony in Mr. Rondo's mom's basement? Oh God. (laughs) God. No, they hold it. At, <laughs> they hold it at Wonderfest in in uh, Kentucky. Oh, it's the, not at it's not at the uh, uh, what you call it Anderson, Indiana Courtyard Marriott Banquet Anderson. Room C. <laughs> Anderson, Indiana, is that even real? <laughs> I think so. Well, what part of your sure ass did you pull that out of? The- I think my grandpa lived there. Okay, well, what's wrong with the what's wrong with the Courtyard Marriott? They're nice hotels. I don't see there being a problem with that. Yes, Anderson is a city in Indiana. Oh, there. Oh, the first picture that comes up is an abandoned village mall. Oh wow! <laughs> well, that's okay. So now we owe an apology to the Rondo Awards <laughs> and to Anderson, Indiana. <laughs> oh, you guys geez. got a shitty mall. <laughs> Every town's got a shitty mall or a dead That's mall. That's true. That's true. My local mall growing up was the mall from Back to the Future. Oh, the really? Twin Pines Mall. The, yeah. And even that place fucking sucks. So it's like. Wow. Yeah. My it, mall was the Eastland. Well, I had two malls in my lifetime. The La Mirada Mall in California when I was a little kid. That was bulldozed a few years after I left. It's now a housing development and smaller shopping center. And then there was Eastland Mall in Charlotte which was demolished and it's just a big open piece of land. That's, that's all it is right now. So mm. uh, oh, we didn't have horror. a murder. Yes. Yeah, well, just got did. electricity a few years ago, Kevin. So you'll, we you're ha- on your way. Don't worry about it. We have what you call, what we call the yellow mall. Uh, the, all right. Well, I'm going to have to go ahead and say it. The yellow mall, Kevin. That's what we call it. It's, it's yellow. It's painted bright yellow. Oh, so that's look, the only. Oh, look, I thought look there was up gonna be a, Gaffney Yellow Mall, and you you'll see it. Okay, for okay. some reason I thought there was going to be a more interesting story behind no. that. I don't. Know I mean, why. It, it stands to reason that you would think that we've heard stories about Gaffney, and that's probably the lamest one he's told so right. far. Yeah, uh, maybe somebody maybe yellow. somebody was murdered. In the well, everybody, there's oh, always oh, well, a murder at a mall. That's that goes well, and it, course, apparently in Gaffney, there's a murder at least once every other day. So it's probably a pretty good chance that somebody was murdered at that mall. Oh, there's always crime at malls. That and yeah. that's just gotten worse over the years. Well, we had a we had a mall out here too that shut down a few years ago and was bulldozed. There's nothing there now. Uh, but what ultimately um, did do it in was there w- was a fatal stabbing at the mall. And it wasn't just a stabbing. This guy killed his girlfriend and his girlfriend's mother at their house, then g- stole the car, drove the car into the mall, into attacked the mall. three people, ran into Petrucci's and stabbed a guy to death and then was ultimately shot and killed by an off-duty police officer. Jesus. So wow. it was like. 
Yeah, that's you know that puts a damper on them all. Um, and then uh, yeah, and was... then after that they just it just went steadily downhill and it uh it, it it shut down and that was the mall I used to go to growing up or one of them we had uh, there was another one that closed before that. Uh, yeah, when I was much younger. The uh, the only mall that I've actually been to in the last maybe ten years is Monroeville Mall in uh, in outside of Pittsburgh, and it has really nothing to do with going shopping. That's because it's the Dawn of the Dead Mall, and they've held a couple of conventions in there, and mm. you know. So, I, but I can't think of any other shopping mall I've actually gone into willingly to shop for. Yeah. Uh, I actually, just, I enjoy which the is strange because I was a mall kid, nice. man. If a mall still has decent stores, yeah, I, I do still too. enjoy it. I do too because it, 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 there is there is sort of nothing like it, you know. And it does if you grew up going to them. And I did. It was kind of like a weekend thing for me as a teenager. But even as a, a younger kid, my mother and my aunt used to go to the you know shopping at the malls um, on Friday nights when you get home from school and whatnot. And like they, you know, we'd have dinner. We'd go you know to a couple stores and you know wander around the mall for a couple hours and go home. I mean, you know that was there was just the thing to do. But I mean it. Uh, it's crazy I, to think about yeah. how that's changed and how, you know, they're gone. The, the, I will say, like, the, the two coolest experiences I had were at a mall. Uh, one was going on the roof of the Monroeville Mall, and Felsher yeah. was there for that. Yeah, that's uh, right. that was a few years we, ago. Yeah. We had a random security guard giving us a private tour who was like, you guys want to see the roof? And, like, this group of, like, ten people, we all looked at each other. We're like, um, yes, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. then... uh. And then I bought a copy of Dawn of the Dead at that mall when FYE was still there. I bought mine at that mall when there was a Suncoast still there. This would have been yeah. 94, 96, somewhere around I there. loved yeah. Suncoast. Yeah, I still have the, the tape. Yeah. Oh, I know. That was the thing about malls back then is like the, the, my original mall, La Mirada Mall in uh, California, and for anyone out there listening who remembers the La Mirada Mall, this was a weird mall. It started life as an outdoor shopping center. And they lost a couple of their anchors and they bulldozed those and then enclosed a portion of it. So it was a one story, just kind of oval that was enclosed, but some of it was still outdoors. So the mall never made any sense, but it had two things going for it. One, it had Noah's Arcade, which was a fantastic fucking arcade. And it had a movie theater. It had four small screens and then it had two large 70 millimeter houses. And that's where I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time, E.T., Last Starfighter, Star Trek Three, Temple of Doom, Return of the Jedi. I mean, and these screens were fucking huge. And it was so cool. But that mall always frustrated me as a kid because it was like, didn't have a bookstore. It didn't have a lot of the other stuff that a lot of the other cooler malls did, like Cerritos Mall or Buena Park Mall. But it's one of those places now that is crystallized in my memory. It's like my favorite place to go as a kid because I could ride my bike there. I could walk there. It wasn't that far from my house. So it was just like my go-to place. I wasn't dependent on my parents to go to see a movie or to go do a whole bunch of other things. And we had a, a service called Dial-A-Ride for La Mirada, which was give the guy a quarter. They'll drive you anywhere within the city limits. Wow. So, I mean, you know, you could have a couple of bucks, go see a movie and play a couple of video games and stop off at Thrifty's drugstore and get a double cone for 35 cents, mm. you know, back then. But so it was, that was the one cool thing about living in, in that city at that time is that it was, your, my school was right down the street. I could ride my bike everywhere. My best friend was one street over. Uh, but the mall, the mall was great. And I, I, I do miss it, even though it was, a, it was a really fucking weird. Now, mall. Redshirt, tell <laughs> us, uh, 
tell us what the vibe was like in the classroom when uh, you guys got word of the Titanic sinking. Oh, good lord. Now, see, Did you the, go console the, the, yourself the, the, the with back. a 35-cent cone from Thrifty? <laughs> Did you hear the tone in her voice? <laughs> you see, folks, there's a backstory to this because I have what could charitably be called a bunch of asshole friends who we play games with every night who have for some reason decided that I am the most ancient one of the group, despite the fact I'm not the oldest one in the group, even close. And they make jokes that I'm so old. I was on the fucking Titanic. Ha 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 ha. So that's the literally the beginning, middle and end of this quote unquote joke. And I'm putting sarcastic quotes around that in case you can't tell. So that is what Mel is referencing. And oh, ha ha, Mel, you are so funny. And it, it's and it's been, you know, overboard the last couple of weeks because of what's been happening with that. Oh, uh, overboard. Yeah, funny yeah. pun. Cute. That's really, yeah, it's fucking, yeah. Good job, with the, Kevin. With the yeah. submarine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right, you just well, start talking about, oh, I got a 35 cent cone at Thrifty. I, read, I rode my bike everywhere. There was no crime. As long as you, it as was long a very... as you could outrun a bayonet. I keep <laughs> Roger liked that one. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> you chuckled. No, I did not. It's not funny at all. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm not. I'm not. Why did we have you on the show? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Why you're here? I just I don't. Why do I Stop sign up for this? Stop being a misogynist. Oh, Peter! Oh, God. Peter! Peter's... She yeah. killed R- Peter. R.I.P. Peter. Uh, well, Felsher, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of your childhood. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah malls. Okay. So anyway. Um, <laughs> Let's let's talk about some horror movie stuff though. Like I I do love going down memory lane and waxing nostalgic, of course. But uh, we're here to discuss horror, so let's uh, let's jump into that. Uh, so fairly recently, it was announced that the Return of the Living Dead is getting a reboot. And under normal circumstances, I am one of those people. When it comes to remakes, as we've discussed in the past, I really don't have a horse in the race, one way or the other. Uh, a remake does not mean the original film stops to existing. Uh, it doesn't erase the original film. It doesn't do anything to the original film. It just exists alongside of it. Whether it's better or worse, I sort of just leave up to my, you know, when I watch it. Uh, I really don't have high or low expectations going into a remake. I just kind of view them the same way I would view any other film that's being announced in that, you know, in that time frame. I normally am like that, Uh-oh. except with this one. And the only reason I am pausing for concern or, 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 or becoming more concerned is the person who was directing the film. Now, I have, I don't know this guy from a hole in the wall, uh, but I have seen one of his two films that he's done. And the only thing I remember about it was that I, 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 it was a free screener of a movie called Muck that I received from Anchor Bay. And it was shot in Cape Cod and it had Kane Hodder in it and a couple of the people. And it was proposed to be a, a, a trilogy 
it was supposed to be three films and this was like the middle film and the only thing i remember about it is i gave it back to the pr company that sent it to me that's how much i hated it <laughs> i didn't even want to have a free copy floating around i just I, I i i mailed it back to them i was like i don't care what you do with this i don't want it i, I don't even want to review it and fairly recently he made a movie called kill her goats which based on the imdb ratings fares just about as well and this is the guy that's supposedly directing this return of the living dead remake reboot now i'm like okay you know directors can learn as they grow and experience helps you know make something better you know or should at least uh but the this you know they're not talking about a big budget remake they're they're not talking about putting a lot of money into it and that echoes return of the living dead four and five which are awful terrible so my concern is really coming from two things the director attached to it and the company producing it is the same company that made return of the living dead four and five and it's just making me go huh (laughs) well this might be one i'm not gonna spend a lot of time paying attention to and i may or may not see it when it comes out but what do you guys how do you feel about this one kind of finally getting the remake treatment because it sort of was one of the last ones hanging on that hadn't gotten yet mel me um well (laughs) honestly i mean it's pretty much the same way i feel about any remake these days i just don't care Unless it's a unless it's a movie that I feel can be improved upon, um, which I think Return of the Living Dead is super fun. Um, you know, the only thing they can improve improve on is you know not having Bev- Beverly Randolph in it. But other than that, um, I said it. Oh fudge! I said it. She's not a nice. She's not a nice lady. What do you want me to say? Anyway. I mean, I, I think Return of the Living Dead is a really fun movie, and I just don't see it being exceeded, especially in 2023. Um, you know, movies now, is it's like as hard as they try, the, the camp factor just doesn't come through as well. And it's probably just because, you know, technology is very uh, advanced now, and um, we have a lot more money now. I don't know if this is going to have much of a budget, but um, but again, you know, like you had said earlier, and like I always say, I, I'm definitely I'm out of that mind frame that I had when I was younger, where I was like, I was like, oh, this remake was horrible. You ruined the legacy of of these films. Well, no, it doesn't ruin anything. Like. It, the original movie that you love is still there. It still exists and you just don't have to watch it. You know, it's, you know, it, when, when these studios or whoever determined to make something, they're going to make it. They've been trying to remake the crow for fucking like 15 years now and they just won't give up. And I don't even know who the crow is now. I think they may have finally shot it. Is it Jason Momoa? <laughs> no, um, I think it's the it's the dude who played Pennywise. Oh, um, oh, oh, Sarsgaard, Bill Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard, yeah, he's. I think he's. Well, you him. know, and I'm kind of just like, how many times does a movie have to get greenlit and then shut down before you realize, like, hey, maybe let's just leave it alone? 
Um, mm. you know, but you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And, uh, and again, same thing goes for that. You know, if you don't like it, then fine. You know, I'm not a big fan of just the same ideas being regurgitated over and over again. Um, but a lot of original stuff gets shit on too in the horror genre and a lot of it. Well, but in all fairness, a lot of it's not very good. So it's kind of like if you, if you have, a, if there's a property that you enjoy, but you think you could do something to add to it in a positive way, then, you know, I guess go for it. But, you know, cause it just, again, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the original. I probably won't even watch it. So, <laughs> Because I don't care. Well, it depends. What's um when you say reboot? Is it like are they like calling it a reboot, like for a fancy name for a sequel? Does the original exist in this world? They making well, so that the details are still very. It's still very early. They are calling it a reboot. The director was interviewed saying that they are keeping it. Um, they're keeping the mythology of the franchise in mind um the uh they're going for like you know that they're they're aiming for the first film you know in terms of quality that's what their their goal is um i don't think anybody would have aimed for four five <laughs> and been like that's what we want to do again because you know everybody yeah. loved those no you don't you don't aim for that that's where you end up Right, we're in the right, age yeah. of retconning and I think if, bad sequels and just oh this is a, a direct sequel to the original aka a reboot right, mm-hmm. right which yeah. with, with which with return of the living dead is easy enough to do and also with it's also very easy to pretend that those other two movies never happened because they're they're not really available anywhere i think they're on a couple of like i think they're on amazon and like a couple of digital platforms but they came out on DVD as like a bare necessity to the company who had a distribution deal with whoever was putting them out. Like they, if they hadn't, you know, if they had just premiered on sci-fi and went away, nobody would have cared. I mean, realistically it would have just been whatever, but um, most people thankfully uh, tend to forget that those movies exist. And I'm sorry that we reminded you that they're out there, but um, you know, that's that. But uh, I don't know what their, what they're i don't know if this is going to be a remake or a sequel they're just calling it a reboot yeah um and yeah i just i'm i'm just i'm cautiously i'm i'm cautiously looking into like what this is going to be just because like i said based on what i'm i'm seeing it's giving me a reason to go oh god if you're going to do it and it's going to be like four and five please stop we don't need another bad entry in this franchise um just let it go like you know and uh yeah felsher you haven't weighed in on this what do you think of a well kind of stuck between two worlds here on this one because on on the one hand i i really don't care that much the other time i do want it i mean i have no vested interest in it being bad um it's been a weird series since day one because the original movie was really kind of just made up out of whole cloth by Dan O'Bannon and, and, and that the book it was based, you know, supposedly based on the Jack Russo book. They didn't take anything from that. They took the title and then just kind of ran with it, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. Cause the movie I think ended up great, but it, it had a very delicate tone to it. It was actually a very serious film and treated very seriously, but it was played at a certain level where it was very funny, but it wasn't playing it campy. I don't think that movie is very campy at all, actually. Uh, I think it actually it plays it, the dramatic 
weight of the film is, I think, what makes it stand out to me. It's it's very funny, but it's a it's a very dark humor. The second one for me was much more of a deliberate attempt to be a comedy than a horror film. And even that, yeah, it really was. It was. I mean, you have Michael Jackson as a zombie dancing at one point, for God's sake. And and even part two wasn't a direct continuation. It was almost a a reboot in and of itself, Mm -hmm. you know, because it just rejiggered some of the characters and had some of the same actors playing very similar character types. And they make some oblique references to the first movie, but the events of the first movie have not been are not acknowledged really in that movie at all so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a hey here's a similar story happening somewhere else with a lot of similar people and then part three went off completely into sort of a romeo and juliet thing which i actually really liked and then to be honest with you i saw one of the two uh, four and five i don't remember which one i saw and i don't remember anything about it except i didn't like it i didn't like it enough to go and bother to see the other one so um, look, I look. I don't want to say anything about the guy directing this. I I, don't, I haven't seen any of his previous work, and you know what? For all we know, he had bad experiences on those two films, and this one's going to be great. Who knows? I mean, if people judge James Cameron after Piranha Two, you know, I'm, what I'm saying is we don't. I don't know the story behind what he did previously, and I know enough about movie making to tell you that there's any number of reasons that a movie can turn out bad or have issues that have nothing to do with the talent of the director and so forth. So I I hope the guy is able to do something with this. And I hope they put the right amount of money and time and effort into it and do something. I hope they do something creative with it. That certainly is of a piece with the first film, but at the same time, I'm not looking for that. I don't have any requirements going in. They better have this and they better have triox and they better have, you know, the Tom Matthews better make a cameo in this. I mean, I don't, I don't care. I, I, at the end of the day, make a good movie. That's all I really give a shit about. So because at this point, there's been four sequels to Return of the Living Dead. And Return mm-hmm. of the Living Dead in and of itself was inspired by other films. So it's like, it's kind of hard to get too worked up over a reboot at this point. Yeah. Um, I do kind of wish that it does seem like this is going to be a very low budget effort, at least from the onset. I don't know that. But I'm not getting the feeling that this is going to be one, which I understand why. I mean, you don't want to put a, a ton of movie into a kind of a moribund franchise. but. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have not a lot of optimism for it, but I don't have any animus going in towards it either. And that's kind of how I feel about most reboots and sequels and remakes. It's like, just give me a good movie. That's all I ask for. Right. You know, because expectations are a bitch. You know? No, yeah, they totally are. No, the, and, and, and the first Return of the Living Dead has a very, very passionate fan base. Because uh, you're right. It does. It, 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 it is a lot better um than really a, a majority of i mean it, it's of horror films that were coming out in that period you know like it, it it's, oh very it, much so i mean it was a great it was it it's one of the best zombie films ever made i think yeah you know and it really it, and it stands apart from many of the films that it's paying tribute to you know it plays tribute to night of the living dead in a big big way mm-hmm. but at the same time it's not dependent on that movie's mythology to survive Right. It takes its own, and, and O'Bannon was, he, O'Bannon was too original a writer and too much of his own, you know, his own kind of uh, creation to do something as a as a riff on somebody else's stuff. You know, he was too much of an original original guy. So I think he was looking at this as an opportunity to put his spin on things, and I think he really did. 
which is yeah. what I, my problem with the second film is it tried to have it both ways. It tried to be that at the same time, it tried to also be this kind of goofy comedy. And I don't think those two things gelled very well, Yeah, but you know, look at, at the end of the day, it's been an inconsistent. It's just, my final statement is it's been an inconsistent series to say the least. So I welcome this. I hope that they go into it with all the right ideas and attitudes and give me something that, Reminds me of the first film, but is it dependent on that? I, I kind of hope they do what O'Bannon did with his film, which is to take this, hey, there's this idea. Let's go run with it and see where, you know, I have a vision to take it over here. Well, why not? Maybe that'll work. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll see. We will see. I mean, eventually. I mean, this is, you know, I don't know if this will be a project that we'll hear about now. And then five years from now, it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, certainly an, we've, yeah an announcement is means that you know that can, yeah, yeah we've certainly run into that i mean you know night of the living dead 2 springs to mind where yeah. that was everywhere uh last year and now it's nowhere right you know it was uh, made though so, right no no, no they, I, they, I thought they, I saw they were pictures. shooting they shot they were, a promo or something oh yeah or yeah or something, they shot something like that so yeah. Uh, but anyway, that, that actually brings up a really good point, Felsher. You were kind of talked about expectations, so yeah. um, of horror fans, really. I mean, you know, and that so. this applies also to pretty much film fans in general. I think, yeah. uh, but horror fan. I mean, with any genre product, anything that has a devoted fan base, you get to liking something. You, you know, you, you know, so I love this. I love this. I love this. And so when they do another one, you want those things back. But how willing are you to embrace? what new things come in or are the things that they bring back not as much fun as they were the first time because now they're getting overplayed. I, I, I have found that the less expectations and the less specific things that I want from a movie when I go in, the more chance I have of actually enjoying it. Agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best example of that for me was when I saw Day of the Dead for the first time. Uh, I wanted Dawn of the Dead Part 2 because I, I loved that movie so much and I love the roller coaster, post-apocalyptic fun of it. I mean, everything about that movie was like a comic book come to life. And it was just, it was so much fun. Yet it had the dramatic side of it that I really admired. So I wanted that again. Day of the Dead, of course, George, being the filmmaker that he was, he wasn't interested in doing that. He had a much different approach and a much different story and a much different time and place to set this movie in. And I get this really dour, depressing you know, end of the world saga where everything's gone to shit and everybody hates each other. And it's just like, we're underground. And it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> and it wasn't until I went back with the movie with fresh eyes and had let go of any preconceptions I had about what I wanted that I was able to really go, Oh, this, Oh, I like this. I like what he's saying here. This is interesting. I'm actually listening now. And that was a big lesson for me in terms of, okay, I got to be open to what they're trying to, the story they're trying to tell and then decide whether or not I feel they succeeded in the story they were trying to tell me rather than bringing in my own ideas about, well, this better be in there and this better be in there. And I want this and I want this. Who gives a fuck what you want at the end of the day? You gotta, you gotta go with what the, the filmmakers are. They're, they're the ones telling the story. So, you know, and it's okay to criticize that story if you don't think it works, but um, it's not okay, I think, to the Lambasta movie because it didn't meet your own private requirements of it, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I could agree. Yep. No, I agree with that. I uh, What I found funny recently was Evil Dead Rise was getting... Um, there was somebody on a farm complaining about the movie um, because 
and I, I I might be paraphrasing a little bit here, but because it didn't, the continuity was bad. Hmm. Something about the continuity, and I I just remember reading that and going, this person is complaining about the continuity in Evil Dead Rise. I'm either they're talking about the continuity in the series, yeah, which could be what they're referring to, but it which sounds is it, like which is already inconsistent at yeah. best, right? Which they're, but it sounded like they were specifically mentioning the continuity within the film, and I'm hmm. like, okay. And so my first question to them was, well, how do you feel about the original Evil Dead? I'm like, oh, it's a classic. I love it. So you don't see any issues with the continuity in that movie? Well, no, not really. Okay, so there's literally a shot of the guy, the lead, one of the lead guys with a different haircut and a different shirt, <laughs> for you know. 30 seconds in the movie and he comes back in and he's, you know, it, that's continuity problem. Like that whole movie was shot over the course of a year. There's a lot of continuity problems in that film. Why does that one get a pass? But this one doesn't. <laughs> because they need, they needed something to complain about. They needed something to bitch about. And it's just yeah. like, but you know, it's just, I mean, I saw evil dead rise in the theater and I, I sat there and I was like, this feels like the kind of movie at like the 12 year old me would have described to another young horror fan being really excited about and people <laughs> thinking that like it was made up like that i was <laughs> yeah. i was over exaggerating what actually happened but then they saw the movie and went oh my god that's actually what happens um you know because everything in it was just so over the top and gory and violent and i'm like and this is playing in theaters and like you know 20 years ago this movie would have been five minutes long you know right and here we are watching all of this essential you know this chaos unfold and it's just it's insane and uh people are bitching about I'm like I, I when i saw that movie i remember leaving the theater going i i can't fathom a horror fan complaining about this one at all like if you're into horror this is going to be like one of your favorite movies of the year and you know the internet i mean it must yeah. have been my first time on it because i was just like oh man look here's people complaining that it's overhyped and that it's one well, of the worst things i've ever seen and I'm yeah like, and, and i there were things i mean i don't ever get into internet conversations about any of that oh, stuff horrible. It, it's a it's a it's a it, it's a waste of time yeah but evil dead rise like everyone there were a lot well not everyone but there was a lot of people going well ash isn't in it so i don't you know, this is that this movie sucks it's like well they never said he was. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, it's one thing if they advertise he was in it and then you go to the movies, not there. So you knew going in, he wasn't going to be in it. So either it's something you accept or you don't accept. Yeah. So if you don't want to, if you're too pissed off that he's not going to be in the movie, don't go see the movie. Yeah. Don't hold the movie, you know, accountable for something it never promised it was bringing in in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, again, this is go judge it by the story it's trying to tell. Right. And, you know, because I liked the movie. I enjoyed it very much. I had a few problems here and there, and I thought it was a little too long at times. Um, but, you know, I didn't – it never occurred to me to criticize it because Ash wasn't it. I knew he wasn't. Right. And, yeah. you know, so it, it's like, you know, Indiana Jones isn't in it either, but I'm not criticizing mm-hmm. it for that. I mean, it's just – for me, it just – it seems a lot of this stuff is very arbitrary because people love to bitch. Yeah. Mm. I didn't see it because always... it was gross. Oh. <laughs> Well, well, she's not wrong. It looked, no, no, no. Well, okay, I mean, here's the thing. Not. Here's no. the thing. People like different parts about horror horror movies. For me, gore is not one of those things I enjoy. It's one thing if it's really campy and just, 
you know, very like practical effects, stuff like that. But with modern horror movies, that tends to not be the case. And it's just gross a lot of the time. And I just don't, that's just not something I enjoy. Like, I don't like Eli Roth films. I don't, you know, I, I just don't like anything. Well, this has a different spirit than those. Oh, I'm sure do, it does. But, still, I, but I understand, but it does. But, it's but I know gross. a lot of people I mean, liked very, it, yeah, but yeah. I'm definitely not going to go around being like, oh, it's just gory, blah, you know, like. There's just certain types of horror that aren't like I'm very much a slasher film person and a psychological horror person. I just don't like stuff that's like cringy and gross. That's that's just me. But I know a lot of people really enjoyed it, and I'm glad and I'm glad that they did. Well, you, so you know prefer, that. You, you, yeah, you like. I can see where you would like something more like a psychological horror, like say, well, I don't know, Rosemary's Baby, perhaps. Snooze. <laughs> Press the snooze button ten times on that one. I'll just stay in bed well, at least all day. You, you know you, you you know you don't you don't want to see it, so you don't. You don't yeah, no, ex- you don't yeah, no, exactly. It. But yeah, I'm yeah. really, but I'm really glad that there's a sequel that a lot that a lot of people seem to be really happy with, and that's a big win yeah. in my opinion. Whether whether or not I'm a fan of that film or not, I it's so rare these days that we get sequels to these decades old franchises that people actually like it just doesn't happen yeah. it just oh, doesn't yeah. happen and it seemed like for the most part everyone i saw talking about it was was pretty happy with it and so i'm glad for that yeah kevin actually went to the theater to go wow. see it which he doesn't do that often so. i did i did i waited till, till the monday at five o'clock five dollar movie but i went yeah, I got mad at him because I saw I saw a preview screening. I think it was the Thursday before it came out, and I I, I told him like you got to go see it because I need to talk to somebody about it. And he goes, "Oh, I'll go see it on Monday." And I'm like, "That's three days away. I need to talk to somebody about it right now." But it's five bucks on Monday. And I was gonna give you the money, <laughs> but you don't want to go. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was you know, but. I, I mean, I, I at first I was like when I saw people bitching, I was like, OK, like really, really. But then I was like, wait a minute. Again, this is the Internet, of course, um, you know, and and honestly, like that's I, I remember a while ago I was flipping through back issues of Fangoria. Um, I, 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 I have quite the extensive collection. I actually have the entire run mm-hmm. um, from from the first issue all the way to the very last mm-hmm. issue. Um, and I know. <laughs> Well, I went on a I went on a kick where I just I, I, I started buying them like crazy. But for me it was it was more because there's a lot of material that you can't find anywhere else in those. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot of photos that only were printed in Fango that like like recently that just came in handy with the project I have where we didn't have any photos from the movie, but they were in Fango, so we were able to pull them from the articles. So, you know, it actually, you know, was kind of beneficial to have them kicking around. But I remember reading this one piece. It was by the editor, uh, Tony Timpone, at mm-hmm. the time. He mm-hmm. was and complaining about sequels in the genre, specifically the repetitiveness of the sequels that were coming out at that time. And this was like 86. Yeah. So Friday the 13th Part 6 was brought up. Demons 2 was brought up. And I'm reading this article, and I'm like this, this little piece by him, and I'm thinking, this could have been written yesterday. Oh yeah, this is you nothing know. new. This is yeah. Uh, you could yeah. you could insert any other title, and that, so it dawned on me: the bitching and moaning isn't new. It's just we have a bigger way of seeing it now. There's an easier way for people to see it with social media, 
in groups and whatnot, you know, and it's all just there in well, front read, of you. Yeah. If you read any of the letters that they would publish, it's the same shit you read on Facebook. Exactly. It's the, it's the exact yeah. same stuff. Um, you know, none of that, it's not changed. None of that's really changed. It's just, there's a megaphone on it now Yeah, that the whole people world gotta be heard. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, if it were me and someone offered me a chance to direct a film in a series or an established property, I'd almost turn it down almost immediately because it's almost not worth it yeah. because at this point you're going to get judged and drawn and quartered before you've even shot a, a film. Right. You know, uh, to me, it's just like, you know, why I like, you know, one of the big things recently is James Gunn who directed uh, the guardians of the galaxy movies for Marvel and has done other films, but he took over uh, as a creative leader on uh, DC. And part of me is like, why would you do that? Yeah, you're going to get so much shit before you ever do anything. It's just going to be you're you're. There's no. It's like talk about a no win situation. You know, no matter what you do, there's going to be half the people are going to love it, and half the people are going to want to see you. You know, your head chopped off and placed on a pike outside a castle. <laughs> right. You know, it's just like, and so why anyone like you know with even with a Friday the Thirteenth movie or a Nightmare Else, why would anyone want to wait into any of those franchises now? Because you're just going to get. You're just going to get killed before you've done anything, no matter yeah. what your idea is. And, and granted, you know, re- opinions aside on, on on the films in general, but when you know Rob Zombie made Devil's Rejects, it got critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. That movie was getting praised by everybody, and then he does Halloween, and everybody fucking hates him. Like, right. and it was overnight. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, he remade Halloween. He's terrible." Yeah. You know, and he, and that was before again they had shot any of it. It was just announced that he oh, was no. doing it. You know, there were people. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and then and then you know that just carried over. I think, but I don't uh, hate Rob Zombie. Yeah, it, I, I don't. I don't love what he did with Halloween, but I I actually on to this day I'll still say I I love Devil's Rejects. I think it's really good. Well, that was the funny part to me was like there were a lot of fans I noticed that early on were really into Rob Zombie and they would praise his work. And then he did Halloween and all of a sudden those people just turned the tide so quickly. Um, and now they're like closet Rob Zombie fans. Like they don't <laughs> want to come out and tell everybody that they actually enjoy some of his work. Cause it would just make them look bad. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. That, Cause especially with him, cause it's like an a status thing or something like that. Well, I hate yeah. Rob I don't Zombie get it. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. want to, if you want to just throw a firecracker in a crowded room, go on to any horror group and bring just, up Rob just, Zombie. Say, just say Rob Zombie just say it oh, Rob yes. Zombie posts and just watch them watch yeah, them scramble like it's well, just I rem- yeah I remember that whole thing that happened before the Monsters movie came out yeah everyone was just like it's gonna be the worst movie of all time I mean, they were ripping that movie a new one left and right before we'd seen even a trailer for it mm-hmm. and I, I think I even commented on Facebook one day but I said why is this what's going on here you know I don't understand this I mean what what did Rob Zombie do to anybody that warrants this aside from maybe he's making some movies you didn't like. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with George Lucas and the prequels to star Wars. Look, I didn't like those prequels either. And I was a little bit effusive about how much I didn't like them. But at the end of the day, all George Lucas did was make some movies. I didn't like. Yeah. He still gave you star Wars. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's not like he came into my house and beat the shit out of me and said, ha ha, fuck you. And then laughed. Oh my God. I hope that happens. No, I, that, That would be so funny. <laughs> George Lucas just came and started beating up Red Shirt. For no reason. And I was like, fuck, that would be... I was like, fuck you, bye. And then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something if that happened, but. 
I can actually, I, I can almost guarantee you, I could, I could gauge Pelcher's reaction. It'd be something along the lines of, "I just got beat up by George Lucas." <laughs> Like there would just be no other words. He would just no. Like, that would not be my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it would. Ah, like, oh, no. that hurt. Oh fuck, was that George Lucas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that must be what it would be. That's, that's, that's yes. exactly what it would. And then I hope like. he takes your DoorDash order and throws it in the woods across the street. Oh God! Not this again. Right. I'm sorry. I'm we, sorry. No, we can't. We can't. We can't. Oh, what if what if what if he was the DoorDash driver <gasps> that brought it up? Oh Lord! Why would he ever be that hard up that he's out doing goddamn DoorDash orders in fucking Detroit? He's like I'm Michigan. not getting That's any really... streaming residuals. <laughs> so now I, now I have to be a DoorDash driver in Michigan. <laughs> Oh, Here's God. your fucking milkshake <laughs> and your napkins. He's gonna do it in the Yoda voice too. Anyway, yeah, uh, moving on. Please. Yeah, let's move on to. So it, it, you know, one of the, speaking of fans bitching, this is something that's always bothered me being a horror fan, and you know, I, I don't, I, I really want to know where this attitude stems from. I really do because I, I, I've never had a sense of entitlement that some a distribution company or anyone in the genre owes me a right. thing, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And immediately, and this happened with us, you know, and this is just my, 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 my personal example. When we announced trick or treat, um, the 4k and the blu-ray, um, I would say 98%, 99%. I'm going to be real generous. 99% of the response was overwhelmingly positive and people excited. Oh, I, th- I thought it was very, yeah. People they were, were you yeah. know, but then there's that one guy. Yeah, there's always one guy. And this is, and I swear to God, I almost, I wanted to comment, but I had to, I had to, I, I had to take like the business professional step back and go, I can't say anything mm-hmm. because nothing I'm going to say to this guy is going to make me look good. Cause I, it, it, I saw red when I saw his comment, his comment was something to the effect of this better have the soundtrack. If not, no sale. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, you can buy that soundtrack on Amazon right now for six ninety nine. Yeah. You're not going to buy the 4k and Blu-ray of a title that has been, has been people have been scrambling to get on disc for years because it doesn't have something that's easy included that's easily accessible to you whenever you feel like getting it. It's been available since 1986. I'm not, I'm saying and then there <laughs> right. was a remastered edition. It's available on Spotify. You can buy it digitally. You can still buy the cassette. The vinyl was just repressed and you're going to stop and not buy the disc because the soundtrack's not included. Like, where do you get off right. thinking that anyone owes you anything? But and he the wasn't movie? just, and he wasn't saying like, "Oh, the movie better have the original music." He's saying it better come with the soundtrack. With sound, yeah, with right. the what soundtrack, and asshole. I'm just like, I would have said something to him. See, if you're listening, no, you're an problem. asshole. You're an idiot. Well, see, and I'll is, never sleep with, with you. <laughs> well, he'll so be there. The well done. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I heard tale there was one guy left. Now I wasn't sure. And he's the one. I guess this must be the one. I guess so. Um, I saw that comment too. The problem with engaging someone like that is that you lose the moment you do it. Yeah. yeah. Because he's. I bet you two things. One, he might actually feel that way, and two, he did it to see what reaction he would. Get. Yeah. These yeah. guys are fucking trolls. And if you engage, you're not gonna. I have never had. Have you ever seen this happen? 
when someone has posted something like that and you've gone in with a well-reasoned argument and a point and all this counter argument and everything and they've come back and go hey you know what you're right you win no. That has never happened in the history no. of any internet right. forum or any right. posting any no. ever. It's always like, well, fuck just, you, or you know, more there's shit. There's always always it's people just, who are going to be angry. And again, it's like like you said, people they for some reason they think that they are owed something. I mean, uh, I can yeah, bitch and I've complain been, yeah. all the time about how the wrong people are the ones you know getting to make choices about what are in these movies and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, like nobody owes you anything. Like these guys aren't going through the old message boards and being like, guys, we really owe it to the fans to make a Friday the 13th that takes place in the snow. Now, granted, <laughs> now, yeah. granted, a fan, now they, you know, now they have never hike alone and then it's like never hike in the snow or whatever, which is just fan fiction and it's not canon. But again, it's like, I don't think anybody at, new line or or wherever is like guys we've made the fans wait long enough we need to see no. camp crystal lake in the winter <laughs> yeah, yeah. right no because the problem with any fans like take 10 friday the 13th fans from all walks of life but all dedicated fans you line them up in a row and you ask each of those 10 people what do you want out of a new, a new friday the 13th movie you're going to get 10 completely different answers that are all incompatible with each other. That's right. So, okay. So then who the hell are you making the movie for? Right. You got What you need to do, the only way to do it is to get someone who has a clear idea that you think could work as a film, make it and just throw it out there and hope for the best because you're never going to please the the fans. It's just not going to fucking happen. Well, also too, like what, what, you know, and Felsher and I, um, Mel, you have experience in this too. I mean, you know, uh, we work on extra features for releases and people, you know, one, one actress in particular for night of the demons two keeps popping up. Zoe Trilling. Zoe played Shirley in part two. She, st- her, she stood out. She, her character stood out. The actress herself stood out. She was in a couple other horror films. Mm-hmm. That girl has disappeared. She does not want to be found, but people still somehow manage to think that we're going to track her down right. and we're <laughs> going to get her to interview. Right. And if we don't, we're assholes. She oh, disappeared yeah. on purpose. I I actually did track mm-hmm. family of hers down who kindly told me she doesn't want to be found. Mm-hmm. She's fine, but she she has a reason. She right. doesn't want to be in the spotlight anymore, so she doesn't care to be found. Just mm-hmm. don't don't try to find her. She does she won't even answer you. You know, like mm-hmm. right. but there's going to be somebody out there when inevitably Night of the Demons 2 gets put out on Blu-ray or reissued again that's going to be pissed that she's not on the extras list and it's like okay but you know if you're digging as much as you can you're trying as much as you can you're getting a or somebody just flat out tells you no you have to respect what are you supposed to do well no yeah yeah and then and that that i look because i've been dealing with that for 20 fucking years in one form or another but the most memorable one i always bring up is the stepfather you know i did these retrospectives from part one and two got a lot of people terry o'quinn flat out said no he just does not like to talk about his past. He's very much focusing on the present and the future. And he just doesn't. And a lot and of actors are like that. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. fine. You know, and I was disappointed, but I understood it. And hey, that's fine. So we, I do these really long, the Stepfather Chronicles, these, you know, full length pieces and everything. And I see a, a review <laughs> and I'll never forget this. He goes, 
oh, these pieces are really good, but I can't believe they didn't reach out to Terry O'Quinn to get an Ugh. interview with the it's guy. Like, who oh, the yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, like, like yeah. oh, you know what? God damn never it. Never thought I of that. <laughs> never thought to interview the guy who played the stepfather and the stepfather. It never mm. occurred to me. It never occurred to this guy to think, well, I'm sure they must have and just didn't get him for whatever, or even think to email me and say, hey, I was just curious, did Terry O'Quinn decline? Because you're like, oh, okay. And I've seen people, and I'm fine with people saying, hey, I wish this person had been involved, but hey, what are you going to do? That's fine. I yeah. get that because I feel the same way. But it's this whole thing. I was like, well, why aren't they there? What's what's going on? I'm not buying this if they're mm-hmm. not involved. Well, then I guess you're not buying it, fucker. I mean, I just, yeah. you know, and I'll well, bet you, that's, you know. It's that's the other side of that coin when someone goes, well, I'm not going to buy it because so-and-so isn't involved. It's like, okay, well, then. Then don't sorry. Don't, yeah, don't, sorry. Yeah. Like, it's not, I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, okay, you're the one who doesn't get to have it. I mean, like, I, I. Yeah. You know, and that's and when we when we've done projects together, you know, and we've done a few, um, we we reach out to everybody. We we yeah. we really do. We we start going down a list, and you and always then, cast a wide net. You cast yeah, a really and then wide when we net. start getting the no, like if we start getting a few no's, then we go a little further than we normally would just to get people on board because we don't want it to be like no one who produces extras. First of all, there's not this great and never ending flow of money coming in for this stuff either. No, right. No, so, no. you know, but no one wants to approach a project and go, well, I'm really only interested in getting one or two people. Right. Unless that's what you're told from the get go. Like this is yeah, all we really want for this. So don't go have, crazy. Yeah. Sometimes you have budgetary and time limitations. You can right, only, right. Yeah. And, and, and that's fine. And the, the, the issue always comes up. It's like, well, like on on I can't tell you. I mean, I'm very proud of the work I've done for Creep Show and the documentary. But I always to this day, why didn't Stephen King do anything? It's like well, because he said no. Yeah. Uh, and I I you know and and I'm disappointed by that too. Believe me, it crushed me right. that I didn't get him. But at the same time, it's like, well, is it fair to hold that against me that I didn't get someone who didn't want to do it? Right. You know. I mean, it's just I, I can't. Well, nobody's got Stephen King, has he? Well, he very no. rarely, yeah. very, very rarely does anything like that. So it wasn't yeah. like he was doing interviews for why everybody didn't, else. Actually, I yeah. want to know right. why you didn't contact Leslie Nielsen via Ouija board and interview him. You know, the funny thing is, we at the time I was working on that documentary, he was still oh, around. Shit, that was we did contact ago. him. <laughs> yeah. They showed the movie on the Titanic <laughs> before it went oh, down. Oh, no shit. <laughs> they had someone cranking the the projector the wheel so what happened with leslie nielsen other than him dying obviously yeah, but yeah like, no and then he the, succumbed um, to the circle the, of life you know it, there's times where i wonder why i bother telling anything to anybody because of the people that i associate with are just they're just awful people. Oh, tell us. And, tell us. We're, we're why do you have to say people? Mel is the one saying this stuff. This yeah. isn't Kevin or me. We're genuinely interested. Well, I'm tr- Okay, fine. I'm very fine. interested, too. I was just stating a fact. And everybody's listening to this is interested, too. I was just stating. <laughs> Except for that one guy who wants the soundtrack to Trick or Treat or he's not buying a goddamn thing. Unless oh, fuck him. Tom, if he ever orders one, Tom remember Atkins, his name and just delete unless it. Unless Tom Atkins is going to personally hand deliver the new... Co- the new uh, uh, edition of creep show on 4k i don't want it that'd be a very very specific thing to ask for but 
Anyway, but you know someone out there expects that. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, in regards to Leslie Nielsen, he was at the time that I was he was still with us and still you know working and so forth. We did contact him, and he did initially say yes. The prop there was two problems. I was out of money at that point. He wanted an exorbitant amount, or his agents wanted a rather exorbitant amount of money to get it done, and I was also right at my deadline anyway. So at that time, there was just no way to get it done. Um, I felt bad about it, but at the same time, it was just like, what, let me just put it to you this way. What they wanted for him to do the interview was almost the entirety of my budget for the entire project. And it was clear there was no wiggle room there. So it was just like, you I just got to let, let it go, go in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Well, there's, that's there's, happened. Yeah. That's happened with us too, where people, people will come out with a, an amount that I remember one person I was trying to get for an interview I had I went to their agent and they came back with an amount and I I it was it was just the initial reaction I laughed you laughed yeah I've done that <laughs> I, too I, yeah. I just went <laughs> and I said oh I'm so sorry and I had to I I had to pretend like I had choked <laughs> and um and I said you know I'm gonna be honest um no and, you know I just I, I we don't have the budget to pay them that much money yeah. that's like that's a that's half of our budget for this whole project um we we you know and they're only a small piece of it realistically like we can do this without them we would just rather not <laughs> and um you know i actually ended up you know figuring out a way to make it work but you know still like it took time oh yeah but you it's, know there's it's, people it's like when you when you find them I mean, especially with somebody who doesn't act anymore or who has gone out of the business if you track them down their first reaction is how the fuck did you find me <laughs> right yeah. um and why do you want to talk to me about this thing that i did 30 years ago oh i just had I, I literally just had this happen yesterday i left a message with a guy for a project i work on he called me back finally after like two weeks and he said hey, i got this message about this thing you're working on i was like yeah i want an interview about this movie <laughs> and it was a long pause and i swear to god he went why <laughs> uh, it was just like it's like because it's cult classic people really love it they do <laughs> why well that <laughs> happened with um ryan lambert even says that in his interview in your monster squad oh, yeah he was just like where, what? He, where, he, where he was like people want to come see it why why do we want to do this like you know because when the movie like you know in it and and, and and you know not to beat the dead horse here but it bombed. when i, when it, I met do, uh, lance fenton who was in night of the demons and heathers he had no idea that either one of those movies made money right you know what I mean? He didn't know they were successful. He he figured out Night of the Demons was popular because he saw a remake at Blockbuster. He goes, "Oh, this must have made some money because they remade it." Right. And but Heather's was another one. He made those both the same year, and they're both cult classics. They've both been reissued a bunch of times, and he had no clue. Right. He's like, yeah. he's like, I, I I didn't know. I, I dropped out of acting because all anyone wanted to cast me as was the you know asshole jock, and I didn't want to play that anymore. And I couldn't get any other work doing anything else. So. I just decided to become a chiropractor and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. How's that working out for you? Well, well I yeah, own three the, homes and I look, yeah. you know, it's like, Oh, I, sounds like you're doing quite yeah, well. But the, the larger, the, the same thing. Yeah. No, 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 no. I was ahead, just no. going to say the exact same thing happened to me. Cause you know, I've been, uh, you know, I have the sleepaway camp documentary that's, you know, going to come out, you know, someday, hopefully before I'm dead. And, um, you know, I had to track down, <laughs> I had to track down a lot of people. What? <laughs> well, you had to say it like that. I hope it comes out someday, you know, before I'm dead. So, like, <laughs> it's going to come out someday. Well, because I really don't know when it's going to come out. But, um, no, you really apparently so. Well, you know, it probably would have been out 
if by now if it hadn't been for covid because we we had we did a ton of interviews for it right before COVID, like literally a month before everything yep. shut down and I saw this it. damn pandemic, pandemic. <laughs> inside joke you know what i was even thinking that yesterday i ordered some food i had ordered a i had ordered a salad and they didn't deliver any of the dressing with it and my first thought oh. was this damn pandemic <laughs> did you call them back and tell them no <laughs> there's no dressing it's freaking salad this damn pandemic but anyway what i was gonna say was i i had to track down a lot of actors from sleepaway camp two and three who do not act anymore and they had absolutely yeah. no clue. They didn't even realize that Sleepaway Camp 2 or 3 had ever even come out. They didn't realize anyone oh, had ever seen it. But that being said, everyone I spoke to from those films was so lovely. And just the nicest people. And they were so excited to talk about it. They couldn't believe that any that anyone had ever seen either of those movies. And that people liked them. So... <laughs> but yes that damn pandemic um really uh you know really uh put a pause on some things and of course you know the person i'm producing it with is is you know having to focus on other things for the time you know for the time being and... yeah that was the last straw for him yeah <laughs> literally okay is this an inside joke that we need that we need to clarify because i feel no like... i don't think i don't okay. think we do no no I no i think, I think so. uh i think we just leave that for okay. us yeah let's yeah. just say the pandemic really made us appreciate the little things in life <laughs> yes <laughs> very little things right, actually right. sometimes yes yeah minute yeah. as you, if you, <laughs> yeah if you, if you will um <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what are you? I'm like the only one who's keeping my shit together over here. Oh well, well you have no you know, soul, Mel. So it's, it's that easy. But That's, it is very you know, funny. Yeah, you know it is. Um, you know this does go in. Actually, this these two topics sort of go hand in hand with each other: the expectations of fans versus. Um, sort of the sense of entitlement that they have you know and i'm we're all from a period where you know we grew up with vhs and you know dvd was you know coming out in the late 90s and really coming you know that's when you know laser disc was around too but i feel like i don't know i feel like less people had that versus vhs still like you know i don't know i know laser disc was popular but i saw more people with vhs collections than laser disc collections i actually didn't even know what laser discs were until i was much older um, I had a laser disc player first before I ever had a VCR. I remember you saying that on one yeah, of our shows, yeah. actually. My dad but... bought one of the first laser disc players. It was a Pioneer top loader. Thing weighed more than my car weighs now. Yeah. And uh, we had that in 1980, I think. And we didn't have a VCR until we moved to North Carolina, and that was in 85. So that's how yeah. long that was. I we do, rented I do one. remember you saying that. <laughs> But um, what we got is what we got, is what my point was. Right, we didn't, right, yeah. We didn't get multiple editions. We didn't get re-releases normally. Yeah. 
And if we did, it was the same VHS just repackaged. Repackaged and priced um, down or something. Yeah, like that. that's yeah. pretty much it. So, you know, we're we're coming from this from a perspective like you're getting these movies in 4K <laughs> remastered with cleaned up audio looking as good as they did when they were shot and you're complaining about anything? I know, like, well, the problem is we have become the guy on the lawn going, in my day, all we had were old VHS tapes and pan and scan and we were happy to have it. You know, yeah. and you know, it's just... Yeah, that's really what we are. But then there's parts of me that I'll watch a VHS and go, man, we were savages to watch a movie like this. You I know. know like, well, this you is... can't, it, it, going back and rewatching some of that stuff is like, dear God. Because sometimes yeah. I have to put a VHS in and yeah. capture some trailer or some TVs or something that was on the VHS that I need for something I'm working on. And I'll slip, watch the movie and go, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> what this was. Is it really this bad? The one thing that VHS still has, in some ways, over uh, DVD at least, is the audio, which I learned recently, fairly recently, that if you get a good, clean VHS copy of a movie, um, you know the audio is in really in the audio can be in really good shape and can be used as a pretty decent substitute for a master if you don't have anything else. Right. <clears throat> Laserdisc is obviously preferred, but if it wasn't right. an option, VHS certainly works for that. But um, anyway, so Anywho. Kevin, what is it? You had something you wanted to talk about too. <clears throat> well, it kind of goes a little bit with the expectations of horror fans. Is uh, PG thirteen horror movies? How many times do you get excited for a movie? And it, did you see the first trailer or the TV spot that says PG thirteen, and you're instantly, eh. I don't really think about that too much. So, it never. depends. Yeah, it depends I mean, on what kind of movie it is going to be. So yeah. he, he, the only time I get, <clears throat> excuse me, the only time that something like that bothers me is when I find out it was cut down. Right. Yes. For yeah. PG thirteen. Yes. Versus, hey, we made a horror movie and it's PG thirteen. Um, a, a big example of that, which was one that a lot of people, you know, were really ready to hate, was World War Z when that was announced that it was PG thirteen. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought that was. I thought it was fine. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, but yeah. I remember thinking when they announced it <clears throat> that they were going to cut. You know, it was going to be PG thirteen. I'm like, they spent three hundred million dollars on this movie. It's not going to do a hard. What R rated movie has made even close to that? Even being very successful they don't come in pg-13 opens it up to a whole other audience that can actually go see the movie they need to make their money back plus what they spent on advertising whatever it was so i wasn't at all surprised then we get the unrated cut on blu-ray and whatever and i'm watching i i saw the unrated cut and i'm like this didn't do anything to the movie no it, it did they digitally removed some blood there's a couple extra shots of you know things happening and that's about it yeah and, really and I'm like it doesn't nothing. take it away it doesn't do anything so i'm like okay so this was pointless you know to even make an unrated version but well, PG-13, it's, it was interesting because PG-13 was created because there seemed to be too wide a gulf between PG and R. And right. it was specifically happened as a result of the reaction to a couple of films in the summer of 84. It was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins. Uh, they were There was a big outcry over the heart-pulling scene and the kitchen scene where the microwave with the gremlin blows up and stuff like that. And they were both concerned. Parents were like, these movies are 
they're too intense for PG. And it, I understand you don't want them to be R. There's got to be something in between. And it was later that year that they decided, okay, well, we'll come up with a PG-13. I think, I think the first PG-13 film was Red Dawn. They yeah, it was. Red Dawn. It was. And for a while, PG-13 was fine because it seemed like the studios figured out, well, we can actually take PG-13 pretty far because we were already kind of pushing the limits of PG as it was anyway. Uh, one of the, the PG-13 horror films that I always think of, and I'm just like, man, this movie really got away with a lot especially not just with the violence, but the tone of it was the gate. Yes. The gate I was, was going to bring that one up. Yeah. I, I mean, Kevin, I'm curious about when you, because when I first watched the gate, I thought this movie's intense. <laughs> you know, this movie's really yeah. intense. I mean, and it, it's really for a PG 13, I thought it really kind of pushed the limits in some of the ways. I don't know what you thought. Oh, I think back then, some of those movies back then, they might be rated R cause of the different. Yeah. <sighs> I think it would be rated R today if they re if the gate came out today. There just seemed to be more of a permissiveness with the yeah. PG thirteen at that time because it was kind of new. They mm. were still trying to explore the yeah. boundaries of what it covered and what it didn't cover. But then you know you look at nine in the nineties like Army of Darkness got an R. Why? Right. Yeah, you know, that one. Yeah, that doesn't make any. Well, the reason they got an R rating is because they were after it's like they got away with it on the first two evil dead movie because they were both unrated. So I was like, well, we're going to clamp down hard on these motherfuckers now, even though all they had were skeletons blowing up into dust in that movie pretty much. <laughs> so it was just kind of like really already, but yeah, PG 13 for a while was just like this really interesting, happy middle ground where if you didn't have any really serious, like sexual violence <laughs> and a certain amount of bad language, you could do anything in a PG 13 really. Right. And, and, I, I, and I so always... it wasn't, it wasn't a stigma to me at all. When people say th- shit to me about PG-13 horror, I always point to Monster Squad and say that's mm-hmm. PG-13. Yeah. And yeah. that's, yeah. you know, pretty well-loved um, among genre aficionados. Uh, and, and even something like um, Tremors. Tremors yeah. is yep. PG-13. It's like yeah. Tremors is another one that everybody really seems to enjoy. So, you know, I think when horror fans see PG-13, they think, oh, this is going to be, it's not going to be gory. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's going to be kid friendly. It's not going to be violent. It's just going to be, you know, it's not going to be any of the things that I love about the genre. And, you know, one of the things with World War Z specifically that <clears throat> when that movie came out, I had another podcast, not to go too far back, but <clears throat> and we did a big review show on it. And um, one of my former co-hosts said that, you know, the issue with gore in a heart, you know, not the issue, but gore is a substitute for lack of story. And horror for the most part if you don't have a great story but you have really good gore you've got a really good shot of horror fans and at least enjoying the film and praising it for the gore uh how many people are, are watching terrifier praising it for its storytelling you know <laughs> right. what i mean they're but right. they, were, they everyone talks about the gore so when a horror film has a really good story in good characters it doesn't need gore to be right. effective in work so it doesn't need to be rated r or unrated and that's the other thing too is when you look at the rating system it's like the mpaa has been fucking over horror for years and it's there's no cohesiveness to it there's you know some movies get away with this other ones don't and some movies get you know get to have all this in there other ones are so dialed back that like they might as well be pg-13 and it's like, so you're basing your opinion on a film off of a rating system that doesn't like our genre to begin with. Right. So, you know, whether it's R or PG-13, if the movie's good, it's good. Like, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre was aiming for a PG rating. Poltergeist <laughs> is PG. Right. You know, like those are solid horror films in our genre, and there's not a drop of blood in, in all of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's like, and you're going to sit there and tell me that movie sucks because it's not gory or, you know, overly um, has a lot of blood in it, which, you know, it got an R anyways, but that was for a different reason. But it's just like, come on, guys, like, just watch the fucking movie and. F- don't form your opinion based around a rating. Yeah, th- that that seems arbitrary to me. And you'll be able to. T- I mean, there's times where, like, I agree with Gibbs, where you go, "Okay, someone took a hard R and chopped this down to appeal to a wider audience." But that's not the rating, so that's a that's a bigger problem. That's yeah, a larger. Yeah. That's a problem of filmmakers being forced to water down their work to homogenize it for a larger audience. Whereas if they had gone into this knowing that's what they were going to do, they would have shot it differently. Would have been a very different enterprise altogether, but um, I, I've never hold. I, I, I stopped giving a shit about what the rating was years ago. I hardly ever pay attention to what the rating of a movie is because I don't, I don't give a shit. I, I really, right. it doesn't mean anything to me. Um, it doesn't tell me anything about the quality of what I'm going to see. It just is there to tell me there might be some swear words and some gore and some boobies. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's I, who cares really. Well, Kevin, what do you, I mean, this is your topic. So, yeah. I mean, like, what are your I thoughts think on, on it? It just depends on the movie itself. Like, say, for The Exorcist, would that yeah. be as good as it was as a PG-13? Yeah, but they were never going to make that as a, you know, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, I'm, yeah. You know. But aside if, from the language and the crucifix scene, what in that movie warrants an R, R-, R rating? The religious theme alone would have yeah. been yeah the, and the tone of that uh, like the original you may, you mentioned texas chainsaw massacre you know there's not a lot of gore but the tone of that movie and the subject matter right. is r there's no right. way that movie would ever be pg or pg but then you got a movie like the blair witch project there's no nothing in it and it's rated r well there's yeah, a I lot mean, of there's, there's a lot of cussing well, in that a lot there's of cussing but now i think that probably would be pg-13 yeah it probably would you cuss yeah, on tv yeah. now you, you, there's a big hang up with sexual violence or anything sexual in America. Yes. If you put the, yeah, especially if, yeah, if if you put those two things together, you're, you're dancing with an NC 17, which is a rating that no one's ever figured out what to do with. Uh, And then, but if it's just violence these days, it's like, that's fine. You see more on a CSI episode, you know, any, any episode of the walking dead, you're like, Jesus H Christ. You know I mean? How'd they get away with that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that kills me because like in the late '80s and early '90s, our horror films were being chopped to shit just for an R rating, right. you know, with hardly any blood whatsoever. And now I can watch Walking Dead and go, "This shit would have gotten these guys thrown out of the country back in '89." <laughs> right. right. I mean, right. you know, it's like holy fuck. It's just I mean, different so, times. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At the, at, we've loosened up because we realize it, we, we get that, but the sexual stuff. You start introducing that, big oh, red flags yeah. go up yeah. all over the place. Oh, titties. Yeah, that's a big difference between America and, like, Europe. You, in in, oh, yeah, in Europe, Europe, they have yeah, more yeah. of a problem with yeah. violence than they do with sex and nudity. Oh, oh God. Yeah. I got oh, a story. Yeah. I got a story. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back in, in fifth grade, a movie came out called, it's not horror, it's called The Invisible Kid. Anybody remember that? Oh, yes, yes, from the same guy who did Eyes of Fire, Avery Crounce. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's rated PG. Yeah. Do you remember there's a scene in it? Where oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, the, you know, he turns himself, he makes the formula to, to turn himself invisible, and he sticks into the girl's shower scene, and there's full mm-hmm. frontal, but it's oh, PG. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, in fifth grade, on the like one of the last days of school, our teacher thought it'd be a good idea to bring a PG movie and let us watch it. <laughs> oh, shit. And that's the one she picked. <laughs> but I, 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 I should have said something, but I, I just wanted to see it play out because I'd had seen it seen, before. Ha, oh, you seen it? I had seen it before, so oh, I just man. let it play out. <laughs> it, it was, it was something. <laughs> Did you stand up at some point and go, hoo hoo, titties? Yeah. Did you, uh, the whole class did. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. Yeah, that's sure. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, right. that actually happened to us in uh, third or fourth grade. Third grade, maybe. It was the age where there were a lot of kids that still believed in Santa. <laughs> oh, no. I don't like where this story is going at all. And, um, you know, teachers like Gremlins. That's PG. Oh no, no, the Santa so, scene alone. Oh no, no, yep. no. And that was no. that was that was the moment when the teacher done realized she done fucked up. Yeah. And she ran to the VCR <laughs> to turn it off, and for some reason couldn't find the stop button. Right as Phoebe Kate said, and that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. <laughs> and every kid in the room went. What? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this woman's gonna get some calls oh, today, I, and because I had seen Gremlins already, I yeah, you know we yeah. grew up with it, so yeah. I knew, but I thought she knew too. I wasn't yeah. thinking like, oh, you know, this scene exists in the movie and she doesn't know about it. You know, that is the most disturbing scene in the movie. Yeah, out of really all is. the other stuff, that's the scene that really fucks. Me. That as a kid, you walk out going, "What the hell was that?" And that yeah, it's and just, cold, just I, cold and dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just remember sitting there, just sitting in that classroom and just hearing that, seeing that scene. And she was doing something, and all of a sudden, she just looks up. She looks over at the TV. She like, looks oh. at the classroom, and then it was like this look of utter panic. And she's just trying to find the stop button, and it couldn't do it. And, and that's I was when I like, realized oh. there's no. no. There was uh, that was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, some so kid would doesn't that always mean that you can show it to kids. Right, uh, exactly. Well, that, read see, the again, box. Yeah. Well, again, Gremlins was one of those two that summer that just fucked it up for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's just like, it's not bad enough Gremlins are exploding in microwaves. You've got this horrible story where there's just, she's just like, he was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. It was like, oh! <laughs> and you can even see the puppeteers who are puppeteering Gizmo when they cut to the reaction shots. Gizmo's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 Like just kind of sinking back down into the backpack, like fuck me, man. <laughs> Gizmo's over there thinking, like, man, the Grimmins are batting up, but this shit's terrible. I want back to Chinatown. Like, bring me back home, Billy. Run from this bitch. <laughs> you got to run, Billy. She crazy. It, ta- it takes a minute for that movie to start back getting fun again. After yeah, because yeah. it gets dark because they're in that bank all by themselves, and the lighting is really dark. And Jerry Goldsmith's just really bringing in the really tragic, sad, creepy music, yeah. and it's just like, oh Jesus! I mean, that's one. If I, I, I've never actually had a chance to really talk to Joe Dante, but one of these days, when to go up and say, so, um. <laughs> The fuck were you thinking? <laughs> with that He's probably going to say, "Well, it was in the script, so I shot yeah, it." I uh, guess, but it's like that's one, more... of those, that's one of those handful of scenes from '80s fantasy and horror films that just fucked kids up forever. Yeah. What was more fucked up about that scene is not the Santa Claus bit was longer, but when they get to the bank, it's on the deleted scenes in the desk. Oh, the they, Judge Reinhold, his the his, Judge Judge Reinhold his, is locked in the bank vault, and he's basically nuts. insane. Yeah, he's going back. And the bank crazy. manager has been murdered, and his body is in his office. So while they're in this 
bank telling the story there's a lunatic in the vault and a dead body <laughs> like 10 feet away yeah and it's just like Ooh. man this could have been worse i didn't think it could have been <laughs> but it actually could have been you know it's like uh billy i uh, think you should quit your job at the bank uh it, uh, bad things happen at the bank <laughs> it's just like kingston falls the bank is not a good place not at all <laughs> it's just not, not at all so. uh, all right so we're gonna wrap up here shortly but before we do that yeah. Mel had note. something she wanted to talk about. Oh, or am I still going to talk about that? Oh. Yeah, you are. <laughs> well, enthusiastic Mel. Oh, yeah. yeah I know well, your enthusiasm has been really high well, tonight, so we figured we'd let you save the best for last. Well, I feel so. I was actually going to segue well, into this when we were talking about uh, Rob Zombie, and you were like, I don't understand why everyone hates Rob Zombie. And I didn't hate Rob I still don't hate Rob Zombie. But. I, my real problem with him didn't, didn't start with, you know, Halloween. Granted, I didn't love uh, his, his take on that, but, um, but I still recognized his merits as a horror filmmaker. Cause again, I thought House of a Thousand Corpses was, um, was uh, unique and inventive. And I really liked Devil's Rejects. Um, my problem with him started when he crowdfunded his film 31 that's Mm -hmm. where my problem started because rob zombie's not fucking poor and he instead of you know going and now i get i get he never wanted to work with the weinsteins ever again after his experience making halloween understandable um because you know they're monsters but you know, you're Rob Zombie and, you know, you have now granted how his Halloween two did not do well at the box office. So him trying to shop around a new movie probably wasn't going well for him. But when someone very wealthy, such as Rob Zombie goes to, you know, the horror community to raise money for his film, I I have a big problem with that. It's the same thing as when Zach Braff did it, like back in the day. He was kind of like almost the the founding father of of crowdfunding, in my opinion. Except again, someone who's very wealthy, who doesn't want to put in their own money, and I just feel like, you know. So I feel like if you put in money to a movie, you need to have some kind of return on your investment. And that return on your investment shouldn't be a poster and a copy of a Blu-ray. So I feel like, you know, just in general, I'm not a fan of crowdfunding. You know, I think uh, when you have a successful film and then you decide to make a sequel to it and oh well the studios won't give me any money i gotta crowdfund it you know do like kevin smith did with clerks three uh they wouldn't i think it was the weinsteins as well i think this was he was trying to get it made for a long time um they didn't want to do it and nobody else wanted to give him the money for it so he just made he just paid for it himself and when you're really wealthy that's what you should do if if you really if you really want to make something you have this vision you really want to tell this story and you have the means to do so then fucking pay for it yourself don't 
don't take money from your fans and then you're the only one who gets the return on their investment. You're the one who's getting money from the distribution deals. You're, you know, you're the one making all the money off of it. And, and it's not, and so I have a big problem with, with wealthy people doing it. I don't even like it when unwealthy people do it, but, but, you know, I understand some people just want to get stuff made and it's not going to get made otherwise, but, um, but I also think it's, you know, I don't like the idea, you know, uh, 13 fanboy, which I still haven't seen and I don't really want to cause it looks really stupid. Um, was completely crowdfunded. And so, but, and of course you put one of the perks is, oh, if you give me, you know, this much money, you'll get a producer credit or an associate producer credit. And I just think it's gross. And you can tell that that was the case when you look at the producer credits and there's 30 fucking producers on a movie. <laughs> um, it's not right, you know, and... It's, you know, you're taking advantage of vulnerable people who just want to feel recognized in some, in some, oh, well, I helped, I helped produce this film. I was a producer on Terrifier 2. It's like, you donated some money, they gave you a credit and probably a fucking t-shirt. Like, you're not a producer, I'm sorry. You just handed them money for a credit. Um, anyway, that's my long-winded way of saying, I don't think you should give money to movies where you're not getting a real return on your investment. Or if something is crowdfunded, ends up getting a distribution deal that's, you know, if it happens to be more than, you know, the money you raised, then fucking give people their money back. Be like, thank you for helping me get this made. Um... I got it made and I want you to have your money back because now I have a distribution deal. And so I have this money now. And uh, that just seems fair to me. I don't think you should crowdfund and then you get to walk away with all the money that you didn't really raise. That's my opinion. I hate crowdfunding. I always have. Hmm. So that was where my problem with Rob Zombie started. Uh-oh. Interesting. Yeah, I, I can see where there there are dangers of crowdfunding that I have problems with, especially if it's a, you know, let's say someone wants to do a, a, a self-funded, you know, documentary or something like that, and they get all these people to sign up for it, and then the documentary or whatever it is never happens. And that's uh, another you know, thing is, too. Where does, that's yeah, bad. I mean, you know, where did all these people's money go? <laughs> so a lot of people got suckered into to something that ultimately was, you know. A big jip, a big con job, you know. I mean, that's that's not cool, and I I, I, I don't. But you know, but at the same time, like I crowdfunded when I re-released Just Desserts mm-hmm. to get that going, and I didn't do that because I was trying to fleece people. Is because I needed some starter funds to get it go- right. to get it going, and those people ended up with it. Basically, it was like doing an advanced pre-order mm-hmm. was kind of the way I looked yeah. at it. But at the same time, there are some projects where it's just kind of like. I don't know why you're doing Well, there's some projects that you know you're not going to make any money off of. You're like, I just, this is a passion project. I just want to make it. I'm not going to make, like, it's not going to sell anywhere. You're just trying to break even. Right, right. right, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, you know, some things just aren't meant to be made. (laughs) That's the way I look at it. 
That's true. That's very true. That's very I think, true. Um, I mean, I, I'm indifferent when it comes to crowdfunding because one of the things that I, I found myself in this sort of position recently with, it was a personal en- endeavor that I see this person posting often. This, like, I've known this guy for a little while and this was like his, I don't know, sixth or seventh crowdfunding whatever it was one was because he wanted uh uh he wanted he lives in the city so he wanted to get a motorized bicycle for the city because it'd be easier for him to get around that was like seven grand that he raised in a week and now he needed a new laptop so he could continue doing his graphic design business because his old one died that was five thousand dollars that he raised in two weeks and i'm over here thinking like you have a job you work just like the rest of us why are why are people paying for you to make your life easier and then i kind of froze and went it's none of my fucking business right yeah i mean at the end of the I'm day like, that's yeah. that, how people spend their money hasn't I, I i'm not gonna do it right. but if everybody wants to throw money at him fine and, why does that bother yeah, me like it shouldn't bother anybody it, it's more the people who so, ask so for the if money a, that bother me rather than the people who yeah but if a, but if a millionaire is like hey i want to raise 10 million dollars and goes to crowd funds and people give him 10 million dollars i mean fucking somebody who used to run this country raised a fucking Mm -hmm. boatload of money to pay for his legal fees that dude's not hurting for money but people still gave it to him and initially my my knee-jerk reaction is what the fuck don't you all understand this dude's got enough money to like buy you all 10 times over (laughs) but then i'm like oh wait they don't care why should i they're still giving him the money it's their money they can do what they want with it they earned it they choose how to spend it you know i actually had a friend of mine Every time I'd buy something, her response to me was, did you really need that? Uh. And at one point, I kind of went to her. I said, you know what? My bills are paid. Right. I get a paycheck every week. Whether I need something or not, I wanted it. And I can afford to buy it. So I did. I don't need a lot of things. The only thing I need to exist is air, food, and water and clothes that's it i don't need anything else i don't need a car for god's sakes i don't need to put gas in said car i don't need to you know go treat myself to a dinner i don't need to do those things i want those things because it makes my life a little easier and in some ways makes it Mm -hmm. better so if i go out and i buy a vhs for 25 dollars, yeah no i didn't need it but i wanted it so i picked it up and i had the money and i just kind of looked and said why do you care so much but what I do with my money, like you have your own money. I don't tell you how to spend it. I don't tell I, you what to do with it. I, I think that's also something that happens to you when you get older. Cause I've noticed that too. It used to bother me a lot. Like with people's opinions on movies, it's like, how can you like that piece of shit? It's a piece of shit. It's badly made. It's not well directed. It's terrible. I mean, any objective person can see this is a bad movie. How can you like that? What is right. wrong with you? And then at some point, and I don't really remember when this happened, but it was not long. You know, it's relative, about maybe six, seven years ago, where I just went, what do I give a shit? Right. What I mean, at the end of the day, teach their own. I, you right. know, I like stuff that people don't like and probably feel the same way. Who cares? Why am I getting so worked up about this? Yeah. You the know? only time I think that something like that's appropriate for personally, you know, for you is if you're looking at a person who's spending money they don't have and it's ruining and it's actually affecting their life negatively 
And, you know, then it's like, okay, maybe, you know, we should step in and intervene because this person clearly has some type of a buying issue or a spending issue or well, it's whatever. Like, or it's like someone who has a gambling problem or something right, like that. Right, or if somebody's you know. sending money to a prince in Nigeria or something like that, right. like some so, elderly person, you step in. But if it's a person who, again, bills are paying, stuff's caught up, paycheck's coming in, money's in the bank, they're not complaining about It's your, fu- it's your about fucking money. business. It's my money. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's my, exactly. I, you know, and and so, I mean, like, and I, I understand, like, in some ways, it's always, I don't think it ever comes from a place of malice. It's just more of like a, well, I don't want you to be in that position where you don't have money because you went out and bought this thing. So, no, 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 don't worry about that. Let me worry yeah. about it. Like, that's not up to you. And I think, to Mel's point, a lot of that's with the crowdfunding, too. It's like, it almost feels like their piece, people are getting fleeced. Yeah. Almost like it's a con job. And it's like, well, yeah. So yes and no. I mean, there's bad, there's bad versions of it. There's good versions of it. But there's also, like, at the end of the day, <clears throat> people are, you know, have the right to spend their money how they feel like. But exactly. there are... But there are ones, and I agree with Mel, where it's just like, you don't need to do this. You're just trying to get money out of people. Yeah. Right. But that's, well, that's, that's the way my, it goes. And that's my Also, issue. too, like, if you ask people with money how, how to make money, they'll tell you not to spend, spend your own money. Spend your own money, right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, that's true of anybody with a six-figure mm-hmm. income. They will not, you know, if they want to invest in something... They would much rather invest somebody else's money than their own. Yeah, that's just and good that, business and, at you know, the end of the day. And, that, and mean, that's you know. that's all ultimately what some of these people probably look at as well, this is it's not gonna cost me anything if I crowdfund it. And if it doesn't make any money, I didn't lose anything. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's go in for it, you yeah. know. And um I mean I when I saw that Rob Zombie was crowdfunding thirty one, just as that specific example, it didn't I didn't contribute to it, but it didn't bother me any. No, me either. Um just because realistically I probably I figured he probably can't get a movie made now at this point because of, of yeah, Halloween. But he could have paid for it himself. Um, this, like that movie didn't cost He could have, but like could've, again, you know why, why bother? But why, why bother if you can uh, get your fans to do it for you? And at the same time, it's again it's that mindset of like, Well, if I make this and it doesn't make any money, I lost money. But if I can use other people's money and pay for it, I didn't lose anything. So but, no but harm, no foul. I just think it's gross. What if it don't happen, though? What happens Well, then? so that's, that's the well, thing with that's, crowdfunding, yeah, and this yeah. is the part that I don't like about crowdfunding, is it says right there in the terms and conditions that, you know, when you buy a perk, if the project doesn't get made, you're not entitled to your money back. You're not even entitled to the perk if the project doesn't get completed. Right. If the project is completed you can fi- and you don't get your perk you can file a motion with the crowdfunding source and they can go to the you know the company that's representing the, the campaign and say hey this person's saying they didn't get xyz you know and they were supposed to based on the terms and conditions that your project has been completed it's you know we can see it's out whatever blah 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 blah, blah or the product's out and they're not getting it the only thing you're going to potentially get at that point is your money back or the product and that's it you're not entitled to anything else right um so you know but that's right there in their terms and conditions if it doesn't get made mm-hmm. you get nothing yeah it really is a roll your dice take your chances Damn. kind of deal but that's, that's investing yeah. in general if you go yeah. and invest in yeah. something and it you know you let's say you invest in netflix and you know today netflix is worth two hundred dollars a share and tomorrow it drops down to two dollars a share what are you gonna right. do you know? yeah you lose the money and you're it's it's over you know but if it goes up you make money and you get something out of it so that's how they look at it i don't necessarily agree with it because my mindset is if you if you set out to make a project and that project nothing ever happens with that project let's say you raise the funds to make a movie and that movie, not a single frame was shot, but you raised $275,000, but you never got it off the ground. 
because you were trying to raise 500,000. It didn't get to that point. They should not be allowed to keep the money. That money should go back. Oh to yeah. They should not be, they shouldn't be allowed to keep it. No. Yeah. No, they, they shouldn't, there, but they are, a, and they yeah, do. Yeah, and there is yeah. abuse of that. There's horrible abuse of yeah. that. Yeah. Now, people could so always say, nuts. oh, but I am still going to make it. I just, you know, had some hiccups, yeah, which is well. true. Like, honestly, you know, so for instance, like we did crowdfund for uh, the Sleepaway Camp documentary. Which, you know, again, I'm not a fan, I'm not a fan of, a fan of crowdfunding, but it really wasn't my call. Um, and we did raise some money and we're hoping to raise some more. Um, but, uh, you know, we are, it is going to get made. So what? Nothing. It is, it is going. going to get made. Um, and we know that. So, um, you know, we're just waiting on a few things to wrap up before we can start up on it again. So. And people sometimes, and also I think it's to, to be fair, people sometimes come up with the idea to do these projects and they don't realize how long it's going to mm-hmm. take. And there's delays that are out of people's mm-hmm. control. And I mean, it can't happen to me on the just desserts thing. It took almost a whole year longer than I thought it would. Uh, it mm-hmm. wasn't because I was trying to fuck over people on their money or not doing it. It's just like, oh, I, other things come up. There was a delay right. on this end and we needed to do this and that. So people sometimes have an unrealistic expectation. So, well, you said it would be done by yeah. this point. Why wasn't it? Right. So, but then that's just a matter of communicating to your investors. Hey, this has happened. Just letting you know what's going on. It's the projects that don't tell you anything. Right. right. You know, and that's, and, and that's an issue too. And that's definitely an issue. Uh, across the board for a lot of these projects is there's no communication with the people who gave them money. And that's when they start getting pissed off. Like I donated to this. I'm supposed like, you haven't updated anything. You haven't said anything. And I know like, if there's no update, what are you going to say to everybody other than we're still where we're at, you know, a month ago. But sometimes that's all people want to hear is like, Oh yeah, we, nothing's moved forward yet. We're still working on it. It's still on our brain. We still know you guys are waiting for it. We apologize for the delay. Um, you know, we'll update here periodically, you know, yeah. if anything changes, of course, we'll update sooner than that. But, you know, on average, we're looking at once a month while nothing changes to see an update. Right. But when you don't say anything yeah. or you, you just... promise you're going to come out and tell people what's going on and then and a year don't. goes yeah. by and that's yeah. the last thing you said, it's like, okay, you know, they're, like they're, you know, they're essentially counting on people to forget about it. Right. To, yeah. To yeah, move yeah, on and forget like, and in some cases they do because a lot of people at, the, at one point just kind of go, oh, yeah, that's a thing I, I, I threw some money at five years ago. Oh, there's 20 bucks I'll never see again. Yeah, you know? or 250 right. or whatever. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, it's again, it's that you made an investment. It didn't pan out. So <laughs> and move on. Then by the time it's sometimes the thing will actually come out five years later. and It's just like, well, you're a little late to the party here, aren't you? Right, so right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's happened, too, where other things happen in between. And it's like, right. oh, yeah, this seems pointless now. Yeah. Yeah. But well. anyway, we're with that said, we're going to wrap this thing up here. So we hope you guys. So we 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 decided to do something a little different with the show. You know, I think you guys may have noticed if you're if you're normal regular listeners, we didn't focus on one topic. We focused on many, and we hope you guys enjoyed that because I think you know that's how we're going to start doing things from now on. We you know we we had a little powwow and we kind of discussed our options moving forward with the show. And we didn't want to just be a show that listed movies for you guys over and over and over again. We're still going to do our best ofs and worst ofs, and we're still going to do franchise shows here and there. We're still going to have interviews throughout. Uh, but we wanted to go back to the basics of what this show started as, which was four friends getting together and talking about things in the genre that they have an interest in. 
whether good or bad. And I think that's what we did here tonight. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. So uh, with that being said, uh, do you guys have anything else to say before I officially wrap us up and send us off here? No. No, no. we're good. You good. I'm good. <laughs> now, now we can. All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Keep it spooky.